This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 482 with Deborah Porter. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 482. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Deborah Porter is the ultimate list maker, system creator, and investigator of anything that will make things run smoother at home and in life. From new mom to working mom to home mom to empty nester, she's seen it all. Deborah has been married to her college sweetheart, Cliff, for 30 years, and they have three adult children, Chanel, Christian, and Cliff. During her early years of motherhood, she worked hard at not losing sight of her purpose and goals beyond motherhood. Having systems in place allowed her to make room for herself in every phase of life. Deborah believes that motherhood may be the only job you put your absolute all into, knowing that the goal is to work yourself out of that job and provide your children with all they need to successfully launch into their future. Deborah is a mom coach with Moms Mentoring Circle, where we believe mothering doesn't have to happen alone. I knew when Deborah reached out to me that I wanted to have her come talk on the show. She's full of stories and wisdom and systems and all the things that we all need every single day. So I know you're going to love to hear from her. Deborah is going to share a ton with us from raising children from the ground up to launching them out of the household. And she's going to also talk about forgiveness. And I'll tell you, this is actually one of the top reasons I wanted her to come on the show was to talk about forgiveness, because I think this is something that 
we all struggle with. So listen in to hear Deborah share the hope she has seen in our young children during this cultural revolution, especially among her own adult children, what it was like to meet her father for the first time at age 21, why she decided to forgive her father and the gifts that came of their relationship as a result. She's going to talk about the biggest foe of forgiveness, which is naked vulnerability. She'll share how you can lean into forgiveness to expand your perspective in order to move forward in life. She'll share the three gifts you can give your kids to launch them into adulthood. She'll talk about the only goal of parenting, the importance of collaboration over comparison, and her two powerful universal messages for moms. You are in for a treat. Deborah is amazing. She is strong. She is powerful. She is fierce. And I cannot wait to share her with you. So with all that said, please help me welcome Deborah Porter to the Shameless Mom Academy. Deborah, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Sarah. This is so exciting for me. I'm loving it already. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. And so in the last four months, I've shifted in my intro format to make sure that everyone knows when we've recorded everything. So we're recording on July 9th, and we are in the middle of a pandemic still, and we're in the middle of a cultural revolution still. So all of the things. With all that in mind, how are you doing right now? Doing well. I think, you know, as well as we can all expect with everything that's going on, I'm a bit of a news junkie. I have a, in my other life, I was a criminal investigator. And so, oh my gosh, for me, having all of these things kind of converge on us at the same time is just exciting. And because we know that there is a huge change that we are about to step into. So, even in spite of everything, I'm just, you know, having that anticipation of what the next is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually my next question is beyond your bio in your personal and professional life, what are you most excited about right now? And I love that you are feeling excitement and because people can't see you as they're listening. So you're a black woman living in the middle of all these times. So it makes me feel optimistic that you're feeling optimistic. (laughs) Can you talk about what you're feeling excited about? Yeah. So my kids are all adults. They're 28, 25 and 22. And so we have some really great spirited discussions about what's happening. And, you know, I think we're in good hands with this generation. I really do. I think they have just had it. They've had it. And so we're, you know, I went to college in Richmond, Virginia, where they're now taking down, you know, the Confederate statues. And I remember Monument Avenue. And we always walked up and down and past those statues. And it was just part of it was like the grass or the sunflowers. It was just part of it. But they're just like, yeah, no, mm-mm, nope, not having it. So I'm excited. It's almost like, you know, when you're about to give birth, you know, you know, you're just you're a little bit scared. You're a little bit excited. You know, it's going to be amazing. So just listening to my kids and hearing how passionate they are and hearing where they're putting their money and what they're investing in. And we're in good hands. Oh, I love that. And I felt, I mean, my child's seven, so, you know, I can't talk a lot about his social consciousness yet, but I have definitely heard other people who have older children talk about this in the last four years or so since November of 2016 specifically, and that there is this the up and coming generation of young people have a level of awareness that I certainly never had. Like when I went to college, I avoided news at all costs. I was like, this is boring. I don't even understand it. Like I had a friend who was in a political science major and I was like, I don't even understand why she's wasting her time. Like that is (laughs) who would want to do that. And now it's like completely fascinating to me, but I love that more and more young people are owning the sense of responsibility and wanting to be a part of the change rather than like putting their head in the sand. I think it is very hopeful. 
It is. It's hopeful. And, you know, for me, you know, my husband and I are empty nesters now. And so, Mm. you know, not having them in the house and having to walk them through what's going on. So I've been in some of what I do, I've been helping some moms and supporting some moms around how do I have these conversations with my kids? What's too much? What's not enough? How do I move past the fear of saying the wrong thing? So then I say nothing, Yeah, you know, on the heels of just having to tell them, yeah, for four months, you're not going to be able to see your friends. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. You know, it's a lot. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we're talking about your children being young adults. And before we started recording, I was like, oh my gosh, you've arrived. (laughs) You have three (laughs) children who are out in the world doing great things. So what a huge milestone. But I want to back it up a little because you shared with me in our interview prep that you met your father for the first time at age 21. So your kids, share the ages of your kids. And then, because I think that actually is an interesting connection to the age that you were when you first met your father and we can then kind of step back there. Yeah. So my daughter is 28. She just got married right before the pandemic. We had a destination wedding. We're also happy that that happened when it did. So she's 28. My oldest son is 25 and my youngest son is 22. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you met your father for the first time at age 21. And can you tell us about your life leading up to that meeting, how things unfolded after that? And if there's anything you want to kind of do to tie it into the ages of your kids, you know, I know my father left my life when I was four. And when I became a mom, that age for my child became really significant. So if there's anything you want to connect to your own kids, as you share the story, feel free to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So You know, growing up, single mom, my mom, my sister and I, just the three of us, we grew up in a small town about 15 miles north of New York City, lived in the same town with my grandparents, you know, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. So, you know, family connections, probably half of my friends either had their dad in their life or in their home. The other half of us were being raised by single moms and we had no contact with our dads. So it really wasn't a thing. You know, it's almost like the old term where you don't miss what you've never had, right? When I was born, my dad wasn't there. So it wasn't like he left at some point. He just wasn't there. So I guess it was around maybe as junior, senior year in high school where I just started getting curious, you know, just things like, I wonder where he lives, you know, just things to myself. I never said anything to my mom, never said a word, but just began, you know, those are the important years, right? You're about to kind of launch out into your own. And so I just started really wondering about that. So I came home for summer break, junior year of college, and I heard my mom on the phone in the kitchen and I heard his name come up and I thought, Oh, that's interesting. And so come to find out she was just kind of tying up some loose ends, you know, wrapping stuff up in a bow, making sure she's doing her will and everything that things were in order. And I said to her when she got off the phone, well, if you've got to get in contact with him anyway, maybe I should meet him. And she says, are you sure? And I said, well, you got to contact him anyway. I mean, if not now, then when? So this was summer of my junior year. Christmas break of my junior year was what we agreed on. So he came and he picked me up at my mom's. He was aware that he had a child then. Oh, yeah. He only lived 20 minutes from us. Okay. All this time. He lived 20 minutes away. So we made the arrangement. He came and picked me up. And I'm thinking to myself, yep, this will be a one and done. You know, I'm only home for a couple weeks. It's Christmas break. I got to get back into the city, check on my friends, hit a couple of clubs. You know, (laughs) I got stuff to do. Do this quick dinner, kind of shake my hand, be done with it. 
And as we're le- as he's dropping me back off, he says, can we do this again before you leave? And I hear what sounds like my voice say, sure. And I'm thinking, girl, what are you doing? Why, why did you say that? But it very quickly became obvious to me that he was not trying to step in and be the dad he had never been. He really was just trying to get to know me. And as my kids approached those same ages, you know, I just looked at their lives and thought how different their lives had been and how valuable the voice of their father had been to each of them, especially my daughter. You know, I just I would think about the conversations they'd had and how direct my husband was with her about men and relationships and her value And I really could look at my life and I could see those deficits. And in those years, I could see where, although I didn't think I really missed it and I I really didn't need it, I really did. And I was just so thankful in those moments that my daughter specifically, but that my sons also had that and had their father and had that voice in their life. Definitely. Oh my gosh, that resonates so much because I similarly like don't remember my parents ever being married. And I did have contact with my dad after he left to varying degrees over the years. But it's interesting that I totally relate to not knowing what I missed out on. Like I, I never felt like, oh, I just wish my parents were still married because I didn't remember them ever being married. So that was not a thing. But I am so acutely aware of how my husband parents and how he fathers because and like the closeness of their relationship because I'm like, oh, that's what I didn't have. Yeah. And like, just like the little like nuancy day to day, like inside jokes that they have, like that kind of stuff is those are the things that like really get me where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I'm so glad that my child has this. I don't necessarily begrudge not having it myself because like I said, I don't, I never had it. So it wasn't ever an expectation or something that I had a sense of to in order to miss. But I do notice it with my own child and with my husband. And it's, it seems like such a huge gift. Absolutely. Yeah. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school.
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Can you talk about the, I'm curious about the range of emotion as you met your dad, spent time with him. And was it like, were you able to just be at a place of peace acceptance? Or was there like, this is kind of cool, but also I'm angry? Or like, what was the range of emotions around that? You know, it was messy. I just I don't even know how else to describe it. It was messy emotionally. I'm generally just by nature, and I find this out now that it is exactly how he is, but I'm generally kind of closed. I'll open up eventually, but I'm a New Yorker, so I'm always a little skeptical of people, (laughs) you know, that's just kind of like, what's their deal? What's the, you know, so it wasn't like the doors flung open and we had this, you know, fairy tale storybook ending and we just kind of walked off into the sunset holding hands. Not that story at all. It was bumpy. It was messy. It, I mean, to be honest, it's still a little messy. You know, it's not, I don't know that it will ever be the father-daughter relationship that we all instantly think of when we think of fathers and daughters. I have a respect for him. I know that he has a respect for me, but I'm going to tell you when it really switched for me. You know, I made the decision that I was going to forgive him because I thought, you know what, when we know better, we do better. And who am I to deny him, you know, an opportunity for us to have an occasional conversation? Like I can do that. But here's what happened, right? So I'm 21 at this point. So we get married. My husband and I meet my husband not long after I met my dad. We're in college. Meet my husband in college. We go on to have a life and to have kids. My oldest chooses a school 20 minutes from my dad. My dad has now retired to North Carolina. And so we're going to visit him and we're going to visit the school. She finally announces at the dinner table, you know, this is where I'm going to go. And as we're leaving the restaurant, and this almost brought me to tears, and I'm not a real big crier. My father leans into me and he says, 
I know I wasn't there for you, but I promise you I will be there for her. Oh, that's big. And that almost dropped me to my knees. But again, I'm thinking, okay, we'll see. (laughs) You know, like that was really sweet, sounded great. But let me tell you something. He was there for her. My kids know my dad in a way that I probably never will. Wow. And for me in that, that is the gift of forgiveness. Yeah. It's not always for you. It's not even always for that person. It's for stuff that you don't even know is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. So you've had, you've maintained a relationship with him. You know, you met him at 21 and then maintained this relationship with him for all of these years, not knowing that that would be like the ultimate gift that he would be able to give to your children, something he couldn't give to you. Absolutely. That was never even in my brain. Like that never even occurred. I mean, the biggest thing I was thinking about was really when we got married, do I ask him to walk me down the aisle? Mm -hmm. Like, what do I do with this? What do I? And I did. And he didn't even want to. You know, he said, and it's not because I don't want to. He's because I'm not worthy of that. Mm. I don't I have the right to give you to anybody. That's not, you know, I've not been that father to you. But, you know, at the end of the day, I said, look, I got one dad. You got one daughter. Either we're going to do this or we're not. Mm -hmm. So we did. But yeah, it was never, I wasn't thinking kids or relationship. I wasn't thinking any of that. But I view forgiveness so differently now. Yeah. So tell us what you've learned about forgiveness. Had you, leading up to that moment with your daughter at the restaurant with your father and your daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. Had you previously gone through like being able to forgive him or was it kind of in that moment that you decided that you could forgive, move forward? I had forgiven him ish kind of, (laughs) you know, like enough to be able to say, yeah, it's okay, No big deal. You know, we'll move on. I don't even know how much of it was forgiveness or just the willingness to keep going. Yeah. You know, growing up with a single parent, you know, my mom worked a lot. There was a lot of we just got to keep going in my childhood. That was just, we just got to keep going. You know, we got to go to the next thing. We just, we got to move. We got to, you know, whatever it was. So I don't even know how much of it really was a heart forgiveness as much as it was the willingness and understanding of life moves on. Like you can't just sit here and keep crying over stuff. But in that moment, I think what I saw in him, which I had never seen, which, and he's, you know, not long after leaving, my mom got married. And so he's still with that woman and they have two boys. You know, I've got a couple of brothers that I didn't know about. But the thing that I got from all of them was that he's not vulnerable. He doesn't say stuff like that. Like he doesn't do stuff like that. That's just not who he is. I had one of my brothers tell me not long after I met him, don't feel sad about this. I lived with him and I don't know him much better than you do. Oh, wow. And so it just revealed to me, okay, part of this is just who he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not me personally. That is so eye-opening. And I think that we we make up huge stories and narratives in our heads around things. And especially when there's a lot of space, you know, when there's a lot of space in a relationship, it's real easy to make up a lot of stories. And so how interesting and maybe even validating to hear that from your brother. And I would imagine there's just a big shift in perspective after hearing something like that. Completely. Because what it did was it laid bare that he's a flawed man. Who among us isn't flawed? Yeah. 
who among us doesn't have issues that we, you know, no matter the age are either still trying to grapple with, ignore or whatever, however we choose to deal or not deal. And so in that moment, it just made me realize, okay, girl, this wasn't even about you. Like all this time you're thinking somehow you were this girl that just was unlovable or he couldn't connect with or had nothing to do with that. Oh my gosh. So tell us what you've learned about forgiveness and what is forgiveness's biggest foe? You know what? I would say the biggest foe of forgiveness is fear of vulnerability. Mm, Yeah. Because whether you are the one asking for forgiveness or having to give it, it requires a naked vulnerability to be able to do it. And I think we grow up thinking, if I forgive you, that means what you did was okay. So I can't do that. I can't forgive you when that is not what forgiveness is at all. For me, I had to learn that forgiveness was saying, I'm okay and I can no longer expect that the past would be different. That's just that simple. For me, that's what forgiveness is. I am finally willing to accept that what has already happened cannot be changed. And so all I've got now is this moment forward. What do I want to do with it? So without the willingness to be able to be vulnerable and move past the fear of what that might feel like, there is no real forgiveness. Right. Absolutely. I also think that I've used this example before on the show, but we had, there was this friendship my husband and I had with another couple and they went through a messy divorce and the husband in the other partnership was really upset with me about some things and said he could never forgive me. And it was such a like deflection of what was going on in the relationship. And he just needed someone to like be angry at and whatever. And I didn't really care. But what was interesting to me is my husband was upset by that. He's like, I'm upset that this person who I thought was a really great friend says he can never forgive you because you took his wife's side and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that only is making him have to sit in pain. Like, It doesn't do anything to me yep. if he doesn't want to forgive. Like, I'm not sitting here aching, longing, begrudging. Like, it makes no difference in my life whether or not he chooses to forgive me. But it's creating a lot of hardship for him that he's choosing to, to not let go of that. Exactly. And that was really eye-opening for me to have that experience and for my... I think it was a really valuable conversation for my husband and I to have because it allowed me to see places where I've been resistant to forgiveness. And then for me to see, oh, wait, you do the same thing sometimes. (laughs) Maybe you could also recognize like where you could forgive in order to let go of some of this energy that is so exhausting and draining and not productive and, you know, keeps you awake at night and doesn't really serve any purpose in the long run and really actually holds you back from showing up fully in other areas of your life. Um, I'm curious if That is so true, Sarah. That is so true. And I think that's the biggest thing when we're in those moments. How do I contextualize this? Right. How do I take this and place it where it belongs in my life? Like it's an outside issue, but there's something in here that I need to be able to pull from it and put it exactly where it belongs in my life to be able to learn the lesson from it. Totally, totally. And I think that when you have those moments, those ahas and moments like that, where you you have the shift in perspective, I think it can really change your view and relationships and even your worldview sometimes. And I would imagine, or I know based on what you've already shared, that what you've gone through with your father and going through this process of forgiveness has probably deeply impacted how you parent and how you show up for your kids and how you help them process forgiveness as well. Absolutely. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah. So what I didn't realize was that my kids didn't know this story, right? Because they grew up knowing their grandfather. And so they didn't know, you know, and it wasn't because I was hiding it from them. I guess I just really didn't think about it because they knew him, you know, they've always known him. And so one of them overheard me talking to, you know, my husband about, you know, kind of a memory or something. And my son was like, wait, 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 you didn't know grandpa until you were 21. And I'm thinking, oh, you don't know this. (laughs) That's like a big story, right? You don't know this story. And it was not a secret. It just, again, because they grew up knowing him, it just, I don't know, you know, busyness of life, soccer, cheerleading, like, I don't know, it just never came up. And so I had the opportunity to then share that with them. And what my daughter told me some years later, you know, she thanked me. She said, mom, there was never any hint of that when we were growing up. Like there was no residue. You didn't put any of that yucky stuff on us. We grew up loving him, not even realizing that there was this like deep, dark family story attached to this. And so I think that as parents, what we do sometimes not even realizing it, the residue of unforgiveness, you know, it's like tacky. It's on our fingers. It's on our hands and we're tapping it and we're putting it all over the place. And so to be able to really be walk in forgiveness and move forward again, not as a doormat, not because what you did didn't matter or wasn't horrible, but just to be able to say there's more life to live. So I'm willing to go forward. So from my parenting, you know, I'm that parent that literally showed up for everything. Like I was at dress rehearsals. My kids were like, mom, no other parents are here. That's totally me. Why are you here? You don't like. (laughs) You're coming to the play tonight. Why are you here to dress rehearsal? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be like, can I help set up for that, please? I would be more than happy. I like my son's kindergarten graduation. I like help set up for the kindergarten graduation. And then I inadvertently saw the whole practice. And I was like, oh, now I'm like, I'm not going to be able to naturally cry during kindergarten graduation because I just saw the rehearsal and I cried during that. And I was like, I'm going to be that parent that's like sees everything twice. (laughs) That was me. But part of that was because I I remember being the girl at the cheerleading competition about to win first place and looking in the stands and my mom couldn't take off work. Yeah. My dad wasn't going to be there. My grandparents were too old. They really couldn't maneuver. And I just remember looking at this sea of people in the stands thinking nobody up there is cheering for me. Yeah. Like nobody up there knows who I am. And I just thought that's not going to be my kid that I will be at whatever they are at. And so that I think it just required in me this thing to girl, just show up. Yeah. Just up, just be there. Even if they're telling you, you don't have to, even if they're saying, because I know that little thing inside where it's like, wow, nobody's here to cheer for me. You know, I showed up and and I'm using those events kind of, but I mean, just in their life, I just, I chose to just show up on the days I didn't want to, on the days I was having my own personal struggles. I just chose to show up. You have three things that you and your husband have done to support the successful launch of your three children into adulthood. And can you share those three things with us? I know a lot of our listeners, we listen it's, I feel like no matter what point you're at in parenting, you look at other parents in different phases with envy. 
So we have we have a neighbor. Our neighbor's little boy is 18 months old. And I look at them. I'm like, oh, remember when everything was so sweet. But when I had an 18 month old, I was like, why can't he just be five? So you have these grown children and I have a seven year old in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm like, why can't he just be grown up? <laughs> so I'm sure there are people listening who are like, what is it even like to have them grown? And then when they're grown, you're like, I just want to go back to kindergarten. So <laughs> have those conversations. And my husband's like, yeah, no. <laughs> right. Right. Not interested in that anymore. But you're right. When you see the little baby, it's like, oh, they smell so good. But then it's like, yeah, but no potty training. Yeah, no. no. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So what are the three things you and your husband have done to support the successful launch of your children into adulthood? I think there are three gifts that we really can give our kids all along the way in age-appropriate ways that help facilitate a successful launch into adulthood. I think the first thing is the gift of how to think. You know, we're not going to be able to make the decisions for them. We're not always going to even be happy or agree with the decisions they make. But if we have an environment in our home that requires them to think things through, a.k.a. I'm talking to the helicopter parent right now, Mm. back up. Yeah, that's such a good one to not be the fixer, to like not be the one that parent that fixes everything and doesn't ever let your kid feel pain. Back up. So that would be the first one. The second one would be the gift of natural consequences. I cannot tell you how many friends I've had over the years that have stayed up and typed papers, (laughs) did projects for their kids because they waited till the last minute. And I am a firm believer that whatever grade you get, I want you to know it's yours, whether it's an A or whether it's an F, because I want you to be able to connect what you did or didn't do to that grade. I don't want any piece of it because that's real life. Yeah. Right. You don't get the bonus if you're doing C work. You know, the guy next to you that's doing the A work is getting the bonus. So for us, it was very important that and I'm going to tell you as a mom. Oh, my gosh. It's heartbreaking. I was just going to ask, can you give an example of a time when you stuck to this when you didn't want to when you wanted to rescue? Which time (laughs) shall I choose from my crystal ball? Which situation? You know, mostly this surrounded school projects and the whole I got it, mom. I got it, mom. And it's the night before and it's 9 p.m. And it's on the calendar. I had a, you know, I used a huge calendar. So I knew it's tomorrow and I know you haven't done anything. And I know that I provide the supplies. Like I had, you know, just a box and little basket full of, you know, because stuff comes up all the time. I'm not running to Walmart at 11 o'clock. I'm not doing that. Right. But really having to go to bed knowing this kid is going to be up all night Mm -hmm. trying to get this project done. You know, those were the moments that, you know, and even into college, I'm not going to name the kid because they'll (laughs) kill me. But, you know, I remember one kid just deciding, I think chilling with my friends is more exciting than going to class this semester. (laughs) Like, I think that's really what I'm called to do right now. And having to cut that kid off and be like, guess what? We don't pay for that. Yeah. You got to figure this out now because we're actually going to allow you and all of your antics to... Just have at it. (laughs) Figure out a few things. Just have at it. And let me tell you something. That kid ended up with a full scholarship at that school for the last two years he was there. Wow. Not a sports player. This was all academic. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. 
all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts, starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. And how uncomfortable was it for you to take that stance and to draw that line and boundary? Oh, it was extremely uncomfortable. It was heartbreaking because I know that this kid is super intelligent. So it has nothing to do with his ability, right? Not uh, Look, college does not have to be everybody's plan after high school. I get that. It's not for everybody. This kid is brilliant. And I knew that this was part of what was going to be his journey, but he didn't yet know it. And so having to literally wash our hands and say, you know, not that we made him homeless, but we were like, okay, we're not paying for that. You can come home, go to this school right around the corner for literally a fraction of that. You know, we promised that we would get you, each of you, through undergrad with no college debt, and we'll still do that. But not like that. We're not paying for that private school five states away for you to be chilling. No, no, <laughs> no. That's not the plan. That's not the plan. But in us taking our hands off and saying, you know, you've got state schools, you've got great state schools right here where we live, figure it out. And at the end of that summer, I don't know how he did it. I feel like he's a magician. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm like, God loves you. Like, you've done something miraculous that we all have yet to determine what it is. But he ended up with a scholarship, an academic scholarship to take him through. But what if I hadn't stepped back? Right. Right. What if we had come to the rescue? What if we had enabled him? Would he be living on his own right now? I don't know. Would he even have a job right now, paying his own bills right now? I don't know. This is a hard one for me because, I mean, not that it would be easy for anyone, but I see myself with my seven-year-old and I'm like, I just want to fix it. I just want to make it easier for him. I just want to get this thing done. So to your point around like school projects, and especially as we've been in distance learning for many, many months, like those kind of, I can see that inclination and I have to really hold back. And I, this is such a great reminder and lesson for me to learn as a parent of a seven-year-old, because if I can set boundaries now, then I can set boundaries later. And if I don't set boundaries now, I might never get better at setting boundaries when there's more critical times in those more transitional years where it's so much more important. That's it. And that would be the third one. The third one is the gift of autonomy. Begin to give them pieces of their life back in an age-appropriate way that they can handle. Because 
what that does when the emptiness moment comes, you're not ripping the Band-Aid off. You've already bit by bit been handing them these little pieces of their life. If you have a fifth grader, why are you still washing their clothes? Why? They know how to work these computers, phones, these gaming systems. <laughs> Please don't tell me you don't think they can work the washing machine. Such a valid point. <laughs> Please. Like I can't with that. So the gift of autonomy is not only benefiting them, but it's allowing you as mom, when you drop them off, you're not that mom that is literally falling to the floor saying, what is my worth now? What do I do now? You've already bit by bit been giving them their lives and hopefully in those moments, taking pieces of your own life back. Yeah. I joke that having an only child that I want to, my goal is to create a codependent kid who always wants me to live with him. <laughs> but, but I also see as he gets a little older and I have these moments of independence and he has moments of growing autonomy and I'm like, oh, like this is the magic. And I also, if I'm not conscientious of that, I could see how hard that my life would be when he leaves if I have not created space between us, if I have actually, you know, so it's one thing to joke about creating a codependent kid. It's a whole nother thing to actually create that codependent relationship and then really feel like you don't have a sense of self as a woman, as a partner, as a whatever, when the nest is empty. Bingo. That's it. Because let, listen, this is the goal. I tell moms all the time, this is the only job that you literally pour your heart and soul into to only work yourself out of that job. Totally. It's the only job in the world that we do this for. So it is kind of a crazy dynamic to it, but we have to keep the goal in mind. The goal is to work myself out of having to be actively parenting forever. That's not the goal. We don't want to be actively parenting adults. That's not the goal. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So talk to us a little bit. You work with moms as a mom coach. What is a mom coach? What does a mom coach do? Why do people need mom coaches? I'm like, everything I'm listening to, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, I need Deborah to just come live with me. <laughs> so. You know, I think every mom should have a mom coach. And this is why I think mom coaches are able to look at your life from the outside with a fresh perspective. There's an opportunity to help you set goals and then to hold you accountable and to push you, right? Push you just beyond what you think is comfortable and what you think you're able to do. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, my girlfriend is my accountability partner. No, she's not because she wants to be your girlfriend. She doesn't want you mad at her. Your coach doesn't really care right now if you're mad or crying. Like we care, like I'm concerned that you're okay, but I'm not going to get caught in the emotion of that because that's not the basis of our relationship. And so the idea really is to create the atmosphere that you want and a life that you love. And it's difficult to do that living in that moment. It is important to have someone. And look, when you pay, you pay attention. I tell people this all the time. When you put your money in it, you're committed to it. You can't Google everything. And so I've got a coach. You know, I will never live my life without a coach. That's, I totally agree. <laughs> I will not do that because my coach is able to look at me and go, yeah, that was a really cute answer, but, but that's not what we're doing. Right. We're not doing it. We're not even doing that. I don't even know why you brought that up right now. So that's what a mom coach is there for. I love that. And you also have, so as part of your coaching business, you have the mom's mentoring circle. And can you talk about that? 
Yes. So Moms Mentoring Circle is also a community of moms that are in different stages of motherhood. I think from pregnancy to empty nest, we can learn from each other. And so there's the joy and the learning from having a coach, but then there's the camaraderie of having other moms as a community. So, you know, my hope is that we can move away from being the mom that compares ourselves to other moms and move to being the mom that collaborates with other moms. I'm much better when I'm in collaboration than when I'm sitting and thinking she's a better mom than me. Well, that's not really the question. The question is, am I a better mom today than I was yesterday? My only comparison is with myself. Yes. I love that collaboration over comparison. Oh my gosh. That's, and I think that the comparison piece, especially with social media is, tends to be the default. (laughs) Yes. And the collaboration can be so amazing. It's been interesting for me and I would imagine it's similar in your mom's mentoring circle. In my membership community, we have moms with such a variety of life experiences and also their current stage of parenting and marriage and career and like all that. It's just such a huge variety. And like I'm someone who when I have people over for dinner, I want to make sure that like everyone has a person to connect with on a very specific thing. And I get worried about making sure everyone feels really comfortable. And so when this community started, I thought, how do I make sure that like everyone has something in common with someone else? And I was like, super control freak about it. And then I recognized (laughs) that the gift is in having differences. And that actually creates so much space for collaboration. Yeah, because in our differences, we can learn so many things about each other. So I was like, okay, like step back a minute. Stop trying to control everything. Like trust that these are grown women who can find the space to connect and collaborate over differences and support each other in really beautiful ways because of that. And it's been so cool to see. I'm imagining you see similar things in your circle. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just got goosebumps when you said that. And here's why. That is really the national message right now. The gift is in our differences. Yeah, yes. I mean, therein, Sarah, that really is the message. The gift is not in us being alike. The gift is not in thinking, you know, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Well, that's not good because some of us come with color. We would like for you to see us. So, you know, Melody Hobson did this TED Talk, which I'm like binging on right now. I've watched it like five times. Colorblind versus color brave. Mm. That's really where we need to be shifting to. And I know for many people, it comes from a pure place to say, you know, I don't see color. I get what you're trying to say. But your statement just now is that is the message for the moment. The gift is in our differences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually, that's something I've been noticing as well during this time specifically and kind of piggybacking on what you're saying is the more I reach out and connect with women, so with moms who are different than me, with business owners who are different than me, like all those things, oh my gosh, it's, first of all, it's a million times more fun Mm -hmm, (laughs) because there's constant learning. It's not just this echo chamber of like, oh yeah, let's talk about moms and self-care. Like it's, there's like the conversations are much richer and deeper and the opportunities to learn are really great. It's the experience is just completely different. And so now it's even become a challenge is in looking, this is something I've been doing for a few years, but I've have so much more acute awareness around it right now is when I'm on social media, looking for people who are different than me. And it used to be like just small differences, like, oh, this person's kind of different. It would be interesting to talk to them. Now I'm like, how can I find someone who is 
completely different than me. And so like one example would be there's a woman who I met through a mastermind group I was in who is Muslim and we were at an event together six months ago and she we were going to do a picture and she actually opted out of the picture because she said she didn't have her the coverings on that she would want to be to use to be photographed and i was like oh my gosh can we talk about that like this is so interesting to me wow and like i'm sitting here like hold on let me put on lipstick and make my hair cuter and she was like let me cover everything if i'm going to be in this photo and it was now I'm like, I just want to find people who have like the most extreme differences because the opportunity to learn from each other and see things through such a different lens, but such a beautiful lens is fascinating. And we actually had the same opinion about, we were talking about, I said, so we were talking about facial expression. And I said, when you're fully covered and you can't see someone's facial expression, is that challenging for you or in your community? And she said, no, she's like, you can see everything you need to see by looking into someone's eyes. Uh. And, and I was like, Oh my God, like I've missed the entire point of like everything in life to this day, <laughs> you know, because in, you know, white American culture, it's like we're, we express ourselves so much in so many other ways that are so outward facing. And she's like, no, that's not actually what self-expression is. Wow. But you know what I love about that example is your willingness to step into an uncomfortable moment. Yeah, it was. And I think what we've been doing for centuries is stepping away from it's uncomfortable. I got to back up. Right. And everything that's uncomfortable isn't bad. And for you to lean into that and for her to be able to and willing to lean into that with you. I just love that. I love that. Yeah, it was eye opening. And now and it's, it's created more space for me to keep having those kinds of conversations. So for our listeners, I want people to challenge themselves yes. to really look for people that have differences and have that be what you get excited about in a connection and the opportunity to collaborate. Cause I think that's the gift. I love that. I agree with you 100%. So good. Okay. So what's one universal message for moms, no matter the stage of motherhood they're in. Okay. I'm going to give two quick ones. So no matter where you are from pregnancy to emptiness, let me just tell you this mothering does not have to happen alone. Mm. And in fact, it shouldn't. If you don't have a village, if you don't have a community of moms, you need one and you need to be on the hunt for that today. And then the other thing I would say is the word no is a complete sentence. Mm. Amen. Stop acting like you have to explain every time you're saying no to somebody. No stands by itself. You know, we tend to be like, oh, no, I wish I could, but I broke my foot. I can't. No, I'm unavailable. I cannot help you. No, no, I'm sorry. I wish I could. No, no, I'm not available. And be good with it. Oh, those are good ones. Really good ones. I have a colleague who used to do a big event for moms every year. And she her like tagline was for it was no mama should mama alone. And I loved that. I, I was like, yes, mm -hmm. it's true. And I think we start out if we don't have friends parenting at, in the exact same phases as us. So like my friends all had kids before me. So when I had a newborn, no one around me had a newborn. And I was like white knuckling through every day of it for many months until I finally met a group of women who had newborns I was able to connect with through a local organization. And that like, gave me so much life. And I was like, oh, no, I get it. Like you have to go find your people and the people that are in a similar phase. There's plenty of benefits to having people in lots of different phases that you can connect with as well. But I think that there's so much beauty in those early days, finding people who are in it in the exact same place at the exact same time. And oh my gosh, those connections are just I agree. the lifeblood. I agree. I remember leaving the hospital and I looked at the nurse and I was like, you're going to let me take this baby home? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. 
I've never had a baby before. What in the world? You know, you just because you feel so alone. So you're right. In those early years, especially, you got to connect with your people. Totally. Deborah, tell us how you are currently showing up as a shameless mom. You know what? I am showing up as a shameless mom right now, just as my authentic self. Whoever that attracts me to or separates me from, I've gotten to the point where I'm just good with it. Because if I show up other than me, I'm not going to attract the right tribe anyway. And so just choosing to take the masks off. I did a teaching about a week ago about the masks moms wear. And I've just determined I'm taking all that off. I'm not doing that anymore. This is me. Like me or love me or hate me. I'm good with either way. But that's where I am right now. And I'm feeling really good about it. I love that. I love the idea of attracting the right people and then also being totally fine with repelling some people I'm like, bye bye. See you later. Yeah. It's okay. Like no hard feelings. I'm happy for you. I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Oh, this has been so fun, Deborah. Tell people where they can connect with you, find your resources, learn more about your mom's mentoring circle and all that good stuff. Thank you, Sarah. So on the website, momsmentoringcircle.com, I'm offering a little free gift if anybody's interested. There's also a Facebook page. And then I've got a group of moms in, the group is called Habits of Confident Moms. And really in there, we're just trying to encourage each other and share different ways. There are core habits that confident moms all have in place. And so we like to just encourage each other and let each other know and highlight when we see these habits in each other. I love that. Is that a Facebook group? It is. It is a Facebook group. Okay. I'll make sure that we have that link in there. So I'll link all that stuff up in the show notes. And so people can go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Deborah Porter, get all of those resources and goodies. And oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you, Deborah, for being here. I so appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you showing up, especially when the world is requiring a lot of energy for just showing up right now. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been fantastic. And thank you for what you're doing with Shameless Mom and just allowing that space for us to really be able to be that every damn day, as you say. I love it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.